You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Daily Baseball Podcast, where we talk about all of Major League Baseball, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked On MLB, or you can listen to the show directly on the website, LockedOnMLB.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Sully Baseball and on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Poppy, Player FM, all those places. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. And while you're at it, make sure to check out all the other terrific Locked On podcasts to catch your team every day. We've had some of them as guests on the show, and we're going to have a lot more coming up. So it is currently the 7th day of May, 17th day of May, sorry, 17th day of May, 2019. I'm not even going to cut that out. And I'm a couple of days removed from my birthday. I promise not to talk about myself because someone... uh, criticize me for talking too much about myself on my podcast here, but uh, it's funny that on your birthday, you get so many emails and texts and tweets and Facebook messages and all that, and you feel you feel great. You feel terrific. And then the next day you wake up, and you're just another schmuck. But today, this schmuck is going to be talking to you a little bit about the games of May 16th, previewing this weekend, And also answering a couple of tweets, as I like to do on Fridays. So what happened in the world of baseball on Thursday the 16th? Well, the Nationals held on. A friend of the old podcast, Sean Doolittle, got the save. And the Nationals got a much-needed series win against the Mets. Christian Yelich said, hey, I want to make the Marlins regret trading me forever. And he hit two home runs, and the Brewers beat the Phillies in what could very well be a postseason preview. Uh, However, the Phillies have gone on a little bit of a slump lately, and the National League East race is going to probably be super tight like everything else. The A's showed a lot of pop against the F. The Detroit Tigers winning 17-3. to Now, there's a couple of games that had big, big run totals. Uh, the Indians got a pair of home runs from Jason Kipnis, and they came from behind to beat Baltimore in a 14-7 to game. I want to point out something specific about the Royals-Rangers game. In that game, Chris Owens, the uh, middle infielder for Kansas City, I believe that's who it was, came in in the eighth inning to pitch mop-up in both the eighth and the ninth inning. And look, I get it. I get it they have to save the arms. I get that it's to the point where, you know, you have to say, hey, look, it, we're, we're getting blown out here. Let's not, let's not run one of our pitchers into the ground. 
the team is getting blown out at home. Now, I maintain that a team should have the right to just say, do you know what? We're, we're done. We're done. Everyone go home early. We're, we're not going to blow out a, a reliever's arm, and we're essentially waving the white flag by having our middle infielder come in in the eighth. He pitched an inning and two-thirds. Now, even if you don't agree with me on that, I think we have to agree on something here. Owens let up two home runs. He let up a home run to uh, Rugnet Odor, and then he let up a home run to, uh, I believe, Hunter Pence. Yes, Hunter Pence. Now, those should count as singles. I mean, we'll count them as hits, but if you hit a home run off of a position player, does that really count the same as a home run off of a Justin Verlander or a Jacob deGrom? I mean, there has to be a way that the team is not trying to win at that point. They're not even putting a pitcher on the mound. And so I'm not saying you should penalize the batters, but you know, imagine if like a home run chase comes down to a home run here or a home run there, and you wound up getting a home run off of a second baseman pitching in his second inning. Just there, the other team has given up. I mean, should those home runs by Odor and Pence count? I think they should. You should. You shouldn't lower your batting average, okay? You got a hit, fine, congratulations. I I don't think those should count on their home run total. Because the other team is not trying to win. Why can't this be like um, defensive indifference, which is a concept that I loathe? I think that if you steal a base, you steal a base. The other team's indifference shouldn't take away from your stolen base total. Just because they didn't throw through, the other team didn't care. Ah, we don't care. We're indifference. Well, if we're going to have, uh, was it fielders indifference for the, you know, the the base runner indifference for a stolen base? Why can't this be pitcher indifference? You know what? No, yeah, no, no, we're not even trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hit it over the wall. He ran all paces, but we were indifferent to it. You know. It's just defensive indifference, home run indifference. They should be there. That should be considered. Just throw it out there. Give it some thought. Um, an interesting thing happened in the game between the San Diego Padres and the Pittsburgh Pirates. What did not happen was the no-hitter that I predicted. I, had, I predicted that there would be a no-hitter. There wasn't. I feel badly about that. Uh, the big hit in that game, which San Diego won, was a home run by Ian Kinsler. And he did a little pose and after he hit the home run. It was a majestic home run. And he celebrated as he rounded the bases. And, uh, and I do not besmirch that. Ian Kinsler, former Red Sox for about an hour and a half. I wish him nothing but luck with the San Diego Padres. But I do remember, and I actually looked it up, and he was quite critical of home run celebrations beforehand, specifically in the World Baseball Classic, where he criticized the Dominican team and the Puerto Rican team for celebrating too much for home runs. Now, 
I granted, I can't stand the World Baseball Classic. I've, I'm, I'm indifferent to that. So you win that, congratulations, you won a spring training game. But I also believe that if you want to celebrate a home run, go ahead. But it's interesting that Kinsler was not cool with it then, but he's fine with it in a May game against the Pirates. I'm just going to leave that out there, and you can have your own commentary for that. Well, look at we have what should be a jam-packed weekend of baseball coming up, including the series, two major series in the American League. The Red Sox and the Astros are doing a rematch of the American League Championship Series. And in case you haven't missed it, or maybe you did miss it, I don't know, in case you've not been paying attention, those two teams are red hot right now. The Astros have won 11 of their last 12 games, and the Red Sox have won 9 of their last 11 games. And one of those two losses was a game where Chris Sale had 17 strikeouts in 7 innings, and the Red Sox wound up losing it in extra innings. So it's not like they've been blown out of the water in those losses. Cole is facing Porcello, and these are two teams I think everyone thought were going to be postseason teams. And they've certainly been playing the part lately. And I think this is going to be a very important test for the Red Sox, who are now above 500 after their dreadful start and are trying to sneak back into the postseason picture. Now, they are still in third place because the Rays and the Yankees are still ahead of them. And the Rays and the Yankees are facing each other this weekend. And the fact that the Yankees still have a, not only a, a winning record, but are you know only a half game out of first place with an absolutely banged up squad and uh, a, a decimated team. It just seems every other day, what, they lost Andujar for the rest of the se- season? They still haven't had Severino. They still haven't had Didi Gregorius. They still don't have Judge. They still don't have Stanton. They still don't, they're not going to have Bird probably. I think what, Betances is out as well? And they're still winning games. Look at, I don't know if you give who you give the credit to, but a lot of people, including your pal Sully, really maligned Aaron Boone last year of how he handled a lot of things with the Yankees. And you got to give him credit for what's happening now. The Rays are still a team that are for real. And we'll see how they do. It's imperative for the Rays to keep the Yankees at arm's distance. They lost the series in Tampa uh, I believe it was last weekend. So they got to get it straight. These games count just as much now as they do later. Hamels and Scherzer are facing off in the Cubs-Washington series. Cubs are red hot. The Nats, they won a series. They really needed to. Uh, Rockies and Phillies, interesting series because the Rockies are hovering around potential relevancy if they get on a, on a good hot streak. The Mets are facing the minor league Miami Marlins with Jacob deGrom pitching today. They've got to win that series. It's imperative the Mets win that series because they can't. I mean, they're, they're sub 500 right now, and they've got to climb above, and the Marlins are there for teams to win series. More about them later. Um, Dodgers-Reds going to be interesting with Puig facing his old team. Uh, Orioles-Indians should be more resume padding for the Indians who want to stay in this. Brewers and Braves in the all. Wait a minute, which team is playing in Milwaukee and which team is in the American League series? 
uh, Cardinals and Rangers in a rematch of the 2011 World Series. Blue Jays, White Sox. Look at the White Sox aren't contending yet. They're still sub 500, but they are one winning streak and one losing streak by Cleveland away from potentially sneaking back into it. Keep your eye on them. They've got talent. It may be too early to make them contenders. Just keep your eye on them. Uh, the Diamondbacks are going to be playing the Giants and in Arizona. should be interesting to see if Arizona could still stay in this race. The Angels are playing the Royals in the all-this-would-have-been-great-in-2014-series. Matt Harvey, again, would have been great if this was 2013. Twins Mariners. Remember when the Mariners were pretending to be good for a little bit? Martin Perez is pitching for the Twins. I've made this point. He's been spectacular for Minnesota. And the Twins are still the best team in the American League Central. Pirates continue their series against the Padres. Lyles versus Joey Lucchese. And do you know what? I'm going to make a prediction. I predict that tomorrow, Joey Lucchese will throw the first no-hitter in San Diego Padres history. Write it down. Write it down. By the way, I want to point out one thing that I find interesting about the the Rangers versus the St. Louis Cardinals series. Going into May, the Cardinals were on fire. And on May 1st, they beat Max Scherzer and the Nets. And since then, they've lost 11 of their last 14 games. There was a period of time, remember going to this month, the Cardinals looked red hot. They were terrific. And the Rangers are a very strange team. Sometimes they look like they could be a potential contender, and sometimes they look like there's absolutely nothing going on up there. But we'll see, especially when you start to have players like Ozuna, who has been hitting well, and Martinez. But the Cardinals, very difficult to figure out the team that I picked to win the National League Central. Well... We're going to answer some tweets, but first I want to point out that you can subscribe to this podcast on the Himalaya podcasting app. In this ever-changing podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Go to your app store and download the Himalaya podcast app. Let me also say this. Hiring used to be hard, and getting a job used to be hard. If you were trying to get someone to your company... There's all these resumes you have to sift through, and if you're trying to get your resume seen by the right people, you might as well make your resume into a paper airplane and throw it into the Pacific Ocean. you got multiple job sites, stacks of resume, confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done, and that is ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's Leading job boards, they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. And that works great on both sides. Is If you're trying to find the right job, ZipRecruiter sends you reminders. Hey, we think you're a good match for this. You may not have known this. Come on, Sully, send your resume. There's a job in Tacoma just waiting for you. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlights the top candidates, so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And guess what? My listeners, yes, my, 
You're my listeners. So you listen to Sully when I talk to you. My listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. You can afford that. You don't have to check your available balance. You've got enough money because we're saying it's for free at this exclusive web address, which is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter. Do you know what it is? It's the smartest way to hire. Okay, I'm going to answer a couple of tweets. Uh, I got some good ones. Uh, I mean, I get to all of them, so maybe some of these will be answered next week. Uh, David Moy, whose Twitter handle is Moly699. I really hope that's not naughty, David. Uh, says, Sully Baseball, UK-based Rangers fan here. That's weird. I know I have a bunch of listeners in the UK, and, and you know, cheerio to you, and, but a lot of them seem to be Met fans or Yankee fans. But this is the first one who's a Ranger fan. Maybe you have an affinity for Adrian Beltre. Maybe you just like big belt buckles. Anyway, love your podcast. Thanks. Question for tomorrow. Okay. Do you think the Marlins 19 will end up statistically worse than Orioles 18? And I believe what he's referring to is the 2018 Baltimore Orioles who finished last year 47 and 115 and were, I don't know, bad. And will this Marlins team be worse? I say yes. I think this Marlins team could be one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life. I'm convinced this Marlins team is not a lock to finish in first place in AAA. They are a shell of a major league team. They currently are on pace to be the worst team in baseball history. They're on pace to win fewer than 40 games. They're 10 and 31 at this point, roughly the one quarter point of the season. A cursory look at their team. Look, at I'm not a big war guy. Either the concept of nations fighting or the sabermetric stat. But I will point something out. If you go to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, they list the 12 best Marlins players by war. Now, if you go to their, if you list by war, they have a grand total of one player who is above one win in war. One player who is worth one win more than a replacement player. That is Caleb Smith, starting pitchers, having a nice season. The 12th highest war total on the team is Harold Ramirez, whose war total is zero. So they don't have, they don't have two players on their team who would raise their win total by one over any replacement player. And one is thoroughly mediocre, and he is the MVP of the team. You take a look at the squad. I mean, Harold Ramirez, there he is. Brian Anderson, okay. Neil Walker. The team that was, I mean, Jose Urania is not having a good year. He's a talented pitcher, not having a good year. Caleb Smith is having a good year. The rest of their starting pitchers are not major league starting pitchers. 
Their bullpen's not a major league bullpen. This is the most shallow team I've ever seen, maybe ever. And the team that you know lost last year with Baltimore at least had Manny Machado for a while. They had Mancini in their lineup. They had Adam Jones in their lineup. They had a few players on their team. They're like, okay, they're major leaguers. There's not enough players on this team who I believe are major leaguers. This team could really legitimately challenge the New York Mets for the worst win-loss total in the modern era. And quite frankly, they're going to do it with a lot less lovability. There's not a lot to love about this team. And tell you what, if you are a Marlins fan, and I know a few of them follow me, man, I am tipping my hat to you big time. If you can invest emotion on this team, then no one can ever question your devotion as a fan. If you're going to go and cheer this team on, then you are, I'll say it, one of the best fans in baseball. Because this team is not loving you back. You could say this is a dysfunctional, one-sided, possibly abusive, psychologically relationship that you have with this team. But I believe they can be worse because they are a worse team on paper. And what they're doing with this squad is horrible. I'm going to break down some of my thoughts in depth about Jeter, and I have expressed some of my dismay about the direction of the team. And the fact that it's not only are they bad, but they're devoid of personality, which is a sin in Miami. But that this team is such a middle finger to whatever fans they have left that I, I, I don't know. Would it be the right thing to move them? Why is it always Tampa Bay that they want to move? It, you could point and say it's not going to work in Miami. I don't like to go that road because I believe you should make a team work where you set where you, you set tracks in there. But this is truly one of the worst teams of all time, and it would not stun me if they lose 121 ball games. I'm just saying. Um, Jeff Cohen, who's a regular contributor and, and tweeter at me, JLC 1962-2000, says, responded to the podcast I did the other day where I basically said, what's the deal? Why hasn't anyone signed Kimbrell and Keuchel? It better not be because of the draft pick. And he said, do you think there are other factors working against Kimbrell and Keuchel? Are they asking too much? I don't think that's the case. Are there other analytics that are working against them? I'm sure there are. And believe me, as a Red Sox fan, I witnessed the fact that Kimbrell was not that effective in the postseason. I would be terrified to sign him to a long-term deal. I would not be terrified to sign him to a short-term deal because there are no bad one-year deals. Dare I say it, age? Sure. Pitchers age, pitchers fall off the map. I wonder if there's some health thing that we don't know about. If there's some medical report that they're not saying out loud or some concern that's being whispered about. It just seems strange with all the lack of pitching in baseball that they are just getting no bites. So anyway, I, I think that there is something else and maybe we'll find out about it later. Okay, I really like this one from Scott Campbell at MTG Pack Foils who wrote, who is your favorite broadcaster or maybe top five broadcasters 
I really like listening to Joe Morgan. His knowledge of the game is so impressive, especially for one who hasn't played in a long time. Okay, I love this question because it reminds me of when people ask me what my favorite movie is. And I'll start listing movies, and then like 20 minutes later I realize I'm still talking about you know different movies. So I don't have one favorite broadcaster because I think there's so many different kinds of broadcasting. I think there's so many different experiences you have listening to a broadcaster that it's like movies for me. It's there's not one and there's not one emotion you feel from it. I believe that a baseball announcer is your friend and companion you're watching the game with. And I think that the hardest announcing job in all of sports has to be a hockey radio announcer because they have to say the names of these players who are coming on and off the ice every 30 seconds, and they all have either Russian, Czech, Swedish, Finnish, or French-Canadian names. And to be able to know not only who's on there, but how the hell to pronounce some of those things at a lightning-fast pace, I don't know how they do it. A baseball announcer is your friend sitting watching the game, and there's a lot of room and air to fill. And so it has to be an experience of some bit of a bit of experience of joy and comfort that you're with them. I know a lot of people criticize Phil Rizzuto and criticize Ken Harrelson for not being super into the game. Rizzuto's mind would be wandering, would say, wasn't watching on his scorecard but I loved listening to Phil Rizzuto because he was your funny distracted Italian uncle who you would love to just sit down watch the game and hear him talk about stuff and hear where his mind was going I loved listening to Hawk Harrelson because he was such a homer it was like watch oh you got gotta watch a game with Hawk my friend Hawk he's the biggest White Sox fan and he goes nuts when he's watching the game I don't need to always have statistical analysis or have, you know, colorful language. I want to have a sense of sitting with someone that I like watching the game. And I like mixing it up from time to time. It's one of the reasons why I'm a bit perturbed that we've now had like two straight decades of every World Series called by Joe Buck. I don't mind Joe Buck. I think he's a talented announcer. But I like to mix up things on the menu from time to time. And seeing every World Series is called by Buck is like having every night pizza. Pizza's fine. Pizza's terrific. But every once in a while, I'd like Chinese food. I'd like sushi. I'd like a chicken. But every night, here's a pizza. Here's a pizza. Here's a pizza. After a while, you get tired of pizza. But my favorite ones... You know, it's funny. A lot of people dislike Susan Waldman and John Sterling on the Yankee broadcast. And I can't pretend that I think that they're my favorites. But they are like those kooky friends that you only see from time to time. And it's fun to hang out with them every once in a while. Especially during a Yankee loss where it's lopsided. And you can just hear them going off on tangents. I actually really enjoy that. I like it when an announcer has to fill in the gaps and be like, okay, we got to talk about something because the game is that interesting. 
I love listening to Jerry Remy in Red Sox games for that same reason. Also because his accent is so thick. He doesn't sound like a former all-star second baseman. He sounds like a kooky guy that you'd be hanging out with in Boston. Now, Rizzuto had that same quality too, of course, because he sounded like he was from New York. He was from New York. Now, I love listening to Tom Hamilton with the Indians games. I love how excited he gets. And I love how his voice goes up super high when they hit a home run and gets super depressed when they get down. Joe Castiglione of the Red Sox has a similar quality. I like Charlie Steiner with the Dodgers. I don't necessarily think he's the best play-by-play guy, but he always cracked me up when he was on ESPN all those years. And quite frankly, I love his pipes. And hearing his voice, I don't know, it's like hearing an old friend. John McDonough, who doesn't do many Red Sox games, I think he's one of the greatest announcers of all time. He called several of the great World Series of the 1990s and was just amazing skills as an announcer, great voice, and a tremendous sense of humor. He does a bunch of Red Sox games, and man, he's been terrific. Um, Josh Lewin is with the Red Sox, and he's a great uh, addition. Um, <clears throat> I like Howie Rose and Gary Cohen. I like virtually everyone with the Mets. I think the Mets have great announcers on the team. Um, and, and do you know what team has really good announcers? The Padres. They they have Don Orsillo, former Red Sox announcer, who is really one of a wonderful TV play-by-play guys. But Ted Leitner, the amazing Ted Leitner, who calls the games my Padres. The thing about Ted Leitner that I love is, first of all, he's, he's a fantastic play-by-play guy. He gets the energy. He gets the excitement. And when you listen to the Padre games on your MLB.com app, as I do here, it sounds like Ted Leitner is sped up. He speaks a little faster than everybody else. But he doesn't completely sound sped up because there are these big, long pauses afterwards. So it's like he knows he has X amount of information he has to get out. And so he's going to get out as fast as he can, but then allow the game to breathe a little bit. So it would be, you know, Hunter Renfro, line drive right field. That ball's down. He's going to score. My Padres. Yeah, there's the, you listen to him, that's a terrible impersonation. But he has a certain rhythm and cadence that is, is really enjoyable to listen to. Listen to Padres games when you get a chance. But the best announcers in the game, and I, I, I think people tend to agree with this, the best announcers in the game, the entire broadcasting team of the San Francisco Giants, Dwayne Kuyper, Mike Kruko, John Miller, Dave Fleming, the best. Every one of them. Knowledgeable, funny, engaging, terrific chemistry. They're your friends. Listening to them, any combination, mix them up, shell game that SOB. The best announcers announce the Giants games. And it isn't because that I'm here in Palo Alto, California, just down the 101 from Oracle Park, home of the San Francisco Giants. And the A's announcers are fine, too. I like Ken Korak. I like uh, Glenn Kuyper. I like Ray Fossey. They're good, too. But the Giants announcers are the best. They have the right emotion, the right humor, the right friendship. They're friends that you watch the game with. 
And I have a little bit of emotion behind it, I must say, because my father is a rabid Giants fan, and I'm not going to get too into my life, but my dad's not doing as well as he used to be. And one of the joys that we still have together is watching and listening to Giants games together. And he'll just say, sometimes with uh, not as much strength as he used to have, put on Kruk and Kite. Not put on the Giants game. Put on Kruk and Kite. And emotionally, that's like, yeah, let's go listen to our friends. Let's spend time with our friends and watch a ball game together. And that's what it is. And that's the beauty of listening or watching a game. So I hope that answered your question and got to a little bit of who my favorite announcers are. Let's have a great weekend with your friends listening to the games. And hopefully I could be one of your baseball friends, not during the play-by-play, but just talking about the games every day and giving you some of my thoughts and letting the conversation go where it goes. So go to Lockdown MLB on Twitter and on Instagram and subscribe to us on the Himalaya Podcast app and on Google Play and Podbeam and all those places. When you get into your car, tell it to play, if it has a smart device, play podcast Locked on MLB. If it doesn't have a smart device and you say play podcast Locked on MLB, you may look crazy. Unless, of course, your car is kit. You can follow me at Sully Baseball or at Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Make sure to listen to all the great podcasts on the Lockdown MLB Network. Well, folks, let's watch some baseball this weekend and spend some time with friends. This has been the Lockdown MLB Podcast for May 17, 2019. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.